0: Fairground. and you didn't want the family coming after you. He said so you know we just made sure that, that there were very few things among us kids as we were
1: growing up. Okay, happens. Well I'm starting because um, I'm the youngest one here in the <laughs> room.
2: I'm 29. Yeah,
3: uh, I'm the new school.
1: Or middle 30s I mean, didn't stand up? <laughs> got here in the middle 30s 1930s and during that time we're discussing the the stock market no money don't know how we got to New York but through it all we got here and one of the largest things in our family was education. There was no way in the world, my grandmother with a third grade education, managed to raise by herself children because her husband was killed. He worked at uh, Westchester County, what is now Westchester County was Greenberg, um, not Westchester County, but it was, um, what was the name of the hospital? Grasslands, Grasslands. Grasslands. thank you. Grasslands Hospital. And on that circle, he was hit by a hit-and-run person, a white person, who thought it was funny to try to run somebody off the road. And by the time they carried him up to the hospital, he had died. So that left my grandmother with eight children. And my mother and her twin sister Martha, through my aunt Mamie Alethea Bethea, and all my uncles, were in White Plains and they moved to Greenberg in 1944 and they bought a house. I am amazed that they managed to do what they did in that period of time. Where we moved to in Greenberg was Fairview. I'm now the president of the Fairground Civic Association. And um, that was the end of the places. It was a turnaround. They were supposed to move into the new houses that were being built for the uh, people returning from Second World War. But they wouldn't let them buy there. So they had to buy further over. And that's when you found the growth of Greenberg. Greenberg started growing immensely. You discussed the Greenberg Fire Department. Well, that fire department was composed of all African-Americans. And I was surprised that that fire department did a lot to save the community. They had an organization called the Good Neighbors, and this is a program that I found, I scrunched up from 1962. It listed all of the areas that participated in housing and saving houses that took in urban renewal. And they lost a lot of houses in that area, and a lot of people were supposed to receive low income, low um, interest rate um, loans, they never got them. So that's when they began to move outside of the community. It's amazing that Lees were already here. They must have been here in the 1900s, before then. And um, they buried, I think Ernestine Wright was another funeral home. Perry's. And Perry's, the three funeral not homes. My, not my relatives. Thomas. They had more than three. Uh-huh. Chambers and White Plains also. And um, they managed to bury these funeral home directors. Everybody with nickels and dimes and quarters that they paid every other week. And they finally paid them, though. And I'm just amazed that they're still in business, and they're still pillars of the community, and they're still trusted by all of us. So we've come a long way but we haven't come far enough. My grandmother believed that the hand that rocked the cradle would rule the world. All of my aunts, she felt all of the females had to go to college because if they went, they wouldn't have a dumb child. All of the men, other than one. My uncle George Herbert Bethay went to the School of Divinity in um, uh, Union Seminary. So it proved to do a lot of things. It proved that one out of the years that we've been working here in this community we still have problems with diversity within our school education on that note i'm going to stop and move to barbara perry in recreation which my grandmother started the first recreation program in the town of greenberg Uh, and she collected one thousand five hundred dollars back in the fifties well she and the community to see to it that there was a recreation program, a recreation department here. My Aunt Martha, who was, uh, she graduated from uh, Winsome Sales Teachers College, was the one who ran it, and she got her little qualification certificate from New York State. And I'm gonna hand it over to you. Mm. Thank you.
4: Good evening. <coughs> I'm Barbara Watson-Perry. My family came, and my in-laws' family came at the turn of the last century. She taught math in prison, just the prison, Westchester prison system. Having had an 11th grade um, education, she went back to school. She was able to get her GED and she taught. I say she taught because she was smarter than the teacher was like teaching mm-hmm. math or whatever subjects they were at night school, but she was able to get her uh, GED. Um, as we result, all of the children had post-high school education, some of whom were able to go to college. Um, I worked at the Fairview Bay Community Center at that time. Soon after it was named after 10 years old, a, who was a movement and a in downtown. I was responsible for lots of various things at the beginning stages of the community center, and it was really a community center where people would gather, children especially, and you had children coming back and talk about how the center was such an influence in their lives. And you couldn't leave your house and do bad things because the neighborhood was there to make sure that you were a good person. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't, mm-hmm. the stories of your misbehavior got home before you got home. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wanna talk about the church because that was a really influence in our community. Reverend Hughes, who was the second pastor of the Union Baptist Church, was a mover and a shaker and someone to whom he could go when were problems in the community. He protected the children because we had children that got into trouble and he was always there for the most part to take care of those children. I want to tell you about my in-laws. His name was Mr. Leith. Mr. Leith was one of the first people who was a contractor in the town of Greenberg. He built homes, he built churches, Union Baptist Church. He actually built Angie's or Delawee's Market. Many of you may know that market. And um with that he actually built it for his son who was not able to keep it, but that was a black institution, Angie's or Deloise's as they called it. But there were many, many businesses, what we would call the corner. There was a cleaner's, there was a bar, there was a retail store. I think his name was Mr. Janese. Yeah. The pool room. And there was a pool room. There were Oh, Mr. Jones is telling <laughs> me there were two pools. There was a chicken farm, mm-hmm. not yes. a farm, but no. a... Ch- yeah, yes. <laughs> they had chickens. They, yeah.
1: they had chicken. chickens. And so legs.
4: And <laughs> sold eggs. And they sold eggs, when But we Fresh had a business <laughs> district. We had a stationary store, we had a truck store, all those things. A taxi we cab. Taxi cabs, we had all of that on the quarter, as we called it. Um, But anyway, we did have our commercial business, and uh, I'm going to pass it on because I have so many things going in my mind, so I think we can just interchange as we speak.
3: My brother and I, Nicholas Priest, go over to White Plains to Bill Sherry's oh, office on Court Street and pay wow. the mortgage, $35. Third month, the third Saturday of every month. And Mommy said, make sure you bring that receipt back. Wow. Uh, we learned responsibility at an early age, my brother and I, because both of my parents worked during the war. Mommy worked at uh, New London, Connecticut making parachutes and daddy worked at uh, Eastern Aircraft. But getting back to the beginning, uh, daddy is from North Carolina, a farm boy out of North Carolina. And mommy is from Sheldon, South Carolina. And both of them worked diligently. Mommy raised um, um, a congressman by the name of Richard Otten. And she raised him like she raised me. Dick got spanked just like I did. (laughs) And uh, we lived off of uh, her earnings as well as daddy. Uh, And we wore his clothes. Uh, Mommy was a very proud woman. She believed in education. My brother and I were pretty good athletes. And one of the things she said... No books, no ball. And she meant it. And I was very proud to see my mother walk across the stage at Pace University. She got a degree at 68 years old. And of course, everyone here knew knew my dad, the greatest man that ever lived. Ever lived, I challenge anybody. He was so consistent. True. He believed in his God, his family, and his fellow man, in that order. He was just different. He, Daddy didn't have a bad word to say about anybody. And he would always, no matter what he did, he would always give you a sermon if he was sweeping the gutter, and he'll stop and talk, look out. <laughs> he knew that Bible from A to Z. He read it every day of his life. And when you talk about singing, oh my goodness. He will rock your world. Mm-hmm. But anyway, getting back to the Jones family. We raised chickens at 37 Manhattan Avenue. My brother and I, as I said, we were ball players. And we played for the Greenberg Grophers at I Hillside Avenue. And interesting enough, Daddy said, you can play, but you gotta feed the chickens. So Deke and I would have to run home, water and feed the chickens, get the eggs, and go back to school to catch the bus since we had away game. Wow. But again, If we played ball, 5.30, we ate as a family at home. If you you were not there, you did not eat. (laughs) And so I say that to say this. That's what's wrong with America today. Mm. Family don't don't have time for each other. Mm. And that's the tragedy. You allow your children to do what they want to do. But my daddy used to say in his famous quote, in this house, that's all he would say. And you got the message. Yes, you do. So I I, I can talk all night, but uh, I I thank you for this opportunity to talk about my upbringing. And with that, I'll give it to Ted.
0: I just want to add here one, one second ten, that um, we, Barbara and Johnny uh, and, and Pat talked briefly about the church. The first African American church in the town of Greenberg was built in the 1860s in Tarantown, Foster Memorial and Lee Church. The second oldest church in the black community in the town of Greenberg in Tarantown, it was built around the 1880s. The third oldest church in the African-American community in Greenberg is Union Baptist, founded in 1914. So
5: I just wanted to interject those little historical facts and figures Mr. Taylor? OK, thank you. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> um, I guess you asked the question about how did I or my family come to the Greenberg area. And I guess it's uh, by death, really, uh, because that's our profession. My father was a funeral director, well, back then it was an undertaker. But my father came from Lynchburg, Virginia, wow. where he worked, not really worked, but he hung around a funeral home and he ran errands. And he, answered the phone, cleaned, up, you know, uh, cleaned the floors, and uh, just ran errands and did minor jobs around the funeral home. That's how he became interested in becoming a, an undertaker. My mother came from North Carolina, and a maid from North Carolina, uh, which a lot of Greenberg people came from that area too. Uh, so that's how I, I really got to know a lot of people that way. So anyway, it was kind of as Andy Griffith was would say, uh, it's funny how we all got together because I was born in St. Agnes Hospital in White Plains. <laughs> but um, I'm kind of connected to Greenberg indirectly really, not directly like everybody else at this table because because of our business. My family, my father came from Lynchburg to Tarrytown because he had some relatives living in New York City in Tarrytown and uh, he actually uh, wound up in Tarrytown where he had uh, I think his brother um, Thurman Lee lived in Tarrytown uh, New York Um, and at that time in the early 1900s because my father was born in 1889 and he came in as a, as a young adult to Tarrytown to live with some relatives. And he, uh, at that time in Tarrytown, there was a, uh, some black uh, undertakers, Thornton and Corbett. They uh, had a business on the uh, 9060 Peister Street in Tarrytown. He befriended them, and he worked with them. And one thing led to another, and eventually he became a partner uh, I think Mr. Uh, Corbett the Dino was like, let's see, Thornton and Corbett, and Corbett and Lee, and then there was a, uh, Corbett and Lee and Matthews in Tarrytown. But anyway, back then, the laws weren't as strict as they are nowadays. And you could have what was called like a manager in every city that you could uh, probably have a, a business in. So they had, uh, you know. Uh, branches in Mount Vernon, Tarrytown, Austin, and Yonkers, I believe, in White Plains. Uh, as time went by and the laws became strict, and we had to go to school and everything, my father graduated from Renard uh, in School of Embalming in New York City, I think it was in 1921, somewhere around that time, 1920. Uh, and he, uh, actually, he kept the business that was in White Plains because either the, the uh, partners died or they uh, just retired or didn't you know, uh, follow through with their business. So my father kept a place in White Plains. So this is our one hundred and fifth year in business. Wow. Wow. Um, he started it and then uh, he died in 1969. That's when I took over the managership and then in 2002, I figured i you know, I didn't know how long I would live or whatever. And I saw how other funeral directors would die when they were retired or before they retired or they just, they died before, or something happened. But anyway, I said, I want to turn my managership over to my daughter, Jennifer. So she's been managing the business since 2002. Right. So she's third generation. And my son, TJ, he has since and my, and my wife, Joanne, she got uh, she her license. So actually, uh, TJ, he's not licensed. He's uh, on the payroll, and he does. Uh, he's the facilities manager. So he does. Uh, he's a big help at the funeral home at home. Uh, Joanne, Jennifer, and I are both licensed. And I know one time Joanne uh, answered the phone. Somebody called, I think. I don't know, it could have been a salesman or something, we wanted to do something and tried to uh, put pressure on Joanne and so, said, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just Joanne, the wife, and, and, and my father. I mean, my husband, he's not here. It's a mom and pop operation. I'm, I'm mom and he's pop and he's not here. <laughs> so, so I hung up on him. But anyway, that, that's how we became connected with the Greenberg uh, population, uh, is through my father coming to Tarrytown and then having a the business in White Plains and in the general area of White Plains, Greenberg, that area, uh, you know, when death happened, we were there. And, and I remember my, my uh, uh, I remember when as a youngster, I guess uh, in my uh, early, before teenage years, I uh, would help my father uh, and he would, um, uh, Make house, no, go to house uh, homes to make house calls. Sometimes when a person died at the at home, uh, back then the uh, it was you know, we, they had the medical exam at Grasslands Hospital, but back then they didn't have the help that they have nowadays. And funeral homes had to uh, offer courtesy of going and removing a body if the if the uh, medical examiner wasn't uh, able to do it at the time, so it was a courtesy thing that uh, most of the funeral homes did. So we, uh, uh, I went with him sometimes, he had the, uh, uh, the basket, the weed basket, uh, where we placed bodies and to remove bodies from homes. And he used to go to some homes to do the actual embalming. We used to, our, we still have some of the equipment that my father used to do that. Uh, uh, the embalming table, portable bar- embalming table, and seventy uh, 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 embalming instruments and equipment that he used to embalm at home. And, um, and even when there were you know, accidents or tragedies on the road or, or at a uh, train crossing, wherever it was, uh, I've seen it all myself coming as a youngster. Uh, uh, I saw it all, you know, just growing up. Uh, you name it, and I, I've seen it, and I, I got used to it. Uh, but my father, um, some, some of my friends said my father lived uh, long before his time because my father uh, got into other activities for some reason or another, I don't know how. Uh, my mother, she was a domestic worker. She worked in Scarsdale, Hartsdale, like that. She eventually got in uh, GD and she went on to get to uh, become a real estate sales, person for Eugenia uh, Griffin, I think it was Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, uh, Dr. Griffin's wife. And my father uh, not only was a funeral director, but he was a uh, bail bondsman because Mm -hmm. some people in Greenberg used to get in trouble and uh, they knew my father pretty well. The families knew my father and he'd go over to Greenberg town court there uh, where Right around the corner from Manhattan Avenue, uh, a lot of times, and my father, uh, the judges and the lawyers and all them, got to know him over the years. He went bail for you know bail wasn't you know just chunk change back then. Uh, it wasn't you know it was D W I or uh, you know, domestic violence, minor domestic violence stuff like that. And a $25, $50, or $100 bail, but he would go to make that money, he sacrificed, get calls all hours of the night, uh, day and night, to uh, bail people out. And then, uh, and then that was the time a lot of people were coming from the south, uh, coming north trying to get jobs, and in some places you needed to get the... You needed proof, uh, whatever you needed to, to work. So you needed like a birth certificate. Some people were, you know, born. It was like midwives back in those days. In some places down in the south, and they come came north, they didn't have anything. So my father and my mother, uh, they uh, worked it out where they could uh, write down to whatever state the person was shown to the health department. Uh, Board of Health, wherever it was, to uh, get a, what they call a delayed birth certificate, in order for them to you know prove their age, and uh, uh, and then later it, it, it was uh, things like people needing to get a, their Social Security number. They didn't have that. Uh, he'd write to you know uh, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, write letters, uh, and, uh, and they needed you know different letters for different things, and um, it was. Kind of interesting because uh, in my teenage years and uh, preteen, in, in, at the office, he let me uh, practice on an old typewriter. I was just, I'm still a two finger person, but he let me try to use the typewriter and he dictate letters to me to write uh, to uh, you know different departments of health to get a versatile. And then some people didn't know, you know when they were born or what date were born or somewhere around the time, but we didn't make up a date. So my father, my father would say, okay, now here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna say that uh, Aunt Mamie came down to the house one Sunday morning uh, to visit, and then uh, because she knew that your mother was gonna have uh, you, you were gonna be born that day, and and, um, uh, she came running out into the yard out in the country, saying, is well, it, was a, it was a baby girl or is a baby boy? And I remember, and you gotta say, I remember that day because Aunt May, I was 10 years old, and she came out and said it was a baby girl, a baby boy, and uh, it, was, it was hot that day, but later that night it started raining. <laughs> we had to make up some kind of a story, and it signed a letter, and uh, that along with uh, some other proof of uh, birth or whatever, three or four articles, uh, documents had had been sent down, and they got their birth certificates or, you know, uh, social security numbers, but they had to make, make up some kind of, there's a different story every time, you know. But, uh, and, uh, okay. yeah. Well, Ted, back to talking about family okay. and neighborhoods.
0: I'd like to ask the mic over to Mr. Robinson, Sharing stories because you you and your family can talk about the entire uh, (laughs) concrete.
5: One more thing with Johnny Johnson's father, his favorite, I don't know if this was his favorite song, but it was times like these, is what I remember. (laughs) 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 Push that over. Push this over. Our family comes out from the stories we've heard so far.
0: The the, many of us who began moving into Reverb during the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s and we were from um, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina,
6: Virginia. Where else did we come from? So Mr. Robinson, please tell your story. Well, I'm not gonna keep y'all here all night because I got too much to talk about. I came to Greenberg in 1928 from Virginia. And the reason why I came to Greenville because at that time there was a depression going on. For you all that don't know what a depression was, it was a time that you didn't have no work and you didn't have nothing to do your style. So my family left Virginia and came to New York in 1928. In 1928, there was a trolley running from White Plains to Ellensford, a trolley, like a train. And up on a place in Greenberg now is called Orchard Hill. Well, Orchard Hill, there are a lot of beautiful homes up there now. But when I came to Greenberg, there was no homes there. It was an apple orchard. That's why they called it Orchard Hill. It was little houses there, all trees, apple trees. And my father was a very large man, and he had to climb those trees to pick apples for us to survive. It was terrible during the Depression time. And then I went to the Army. Matter of fact, before I get to that, uh, I went to Albany about a few months ago, and I was inducted into the Veteran Hall of Fame. Oh, I fought in Germany for two years. I fought in Germany, I saw a lot. And then I came back from the army, and I met this young lady, the name Elsie. And Robert Hughes married us, and from then I had five children. One of them is here tonight, Teresa. I had five children, and I worked for Joel Motors for 33 years in Terrytown. But in Greenberg, it was Greenberg then, but now it's much different now. Greenberg is much different now. It's there's a lot going on now that it wouldn't be going on when I came to Greenberg. Because they had they had this chicken market down here called Jerry. And we used to go to the chicken market and buy and buy chickens and they used to take the chicken and wring it's head off and put them in water and get the feathers off. And those was good chickens then. Yeah. I mean, those chickens was good. And then there was a man going around called Richards with a yep. fish, fish truck. truck. That's, That's right. Right. And he was selling fish in the time, coal and everything. That's how we had to survive then. It was trouble. So I don't sell no more. I have said enough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My family I came here from North Carolina in 1927 during the Depression. And three years later, I came along. My family consists of nine individuals who were like stepping stones, but no one can actually realize how the Depression did our family. In the 1930s, in the 1935, 1936, Even so, my family also consists of five brothers and four sisters. And we had special assignments. And as you became certain ages, and there was no turning around once your turn come back, unless you wanted to bribe some of my younger brothers to do the work for you. My sisters, at that particular time, they were doing housework until the East Aircraft or the Army, uh, they were working for the defense plans. Two of them in in New Jersey and one of them in Tarrytown. My father was a carpenter, he was also a steeplejack. And his work was so busy that he could not work from home. Most times uh, he was out of state or out of town in some other opportunity. My mother happened to be the glue of the family. And we were all residents of Greenberg. And as a consequence, we all went to Greenberg schools. Uh, I started in the first grade because I could, the fact that we we were stepping stones, I could learn how to read. One day in the kindergarten, they put me in the first grade because I could read. One of the other things that I think I, I should re- remember is that since my family was the glue of the family, my mother, that is, uh, she held everybody in a responsibility. And as they say, if there's ever such thing as a, a black woman being busy, my mom fit the bill. We all attended to the Greenburg Central Seven. Some did well, others did not do so well. When others was graduating from school, there was no such thing as going to college or even further in your education. The first thing you had to do when you came out of school, you had to go to work and help support your family, especially since my father was in faraway places. I say that to say this, our younger people to this day they had no idea what depression led to. Most men at that particular time did have, did not have jobs. They had a government project called the WPA which stood for the Work Project and Action. And that was like working on a chain gang. And last but not least, I found that I had my real education since i was up in life in the early 30s that's when i began to really get my education and i would never be Thank. i will always be thankful for the opportunity that it afforded me while i was growing up having nine children and they all did well and we all also have uh, longevity in my family mm-hmm. i have four people in my family that reached the age 90, and hopefully I'll get there one day. At this time, um, it sounds, from the the stories that we've heard, it sounds like the evidence
0: of the strengths of black families that Robert B. Hill Go.
1: for everybody in that house. And if you didn't go to church on Sunday, you had no place to go until you went to church next Sunday. You belong to the choir, you belong to the junior artsy board, you belong to the fellowship, uh, youth fellowship. Anything they had, M is for mother. You go for that for Mother's Day, go through M-O-T-H-E-R. You do it for Father's Day. And then in the summer, every child in our area went to Union Baptist Church for a summer camp. Bible school. Bible school. Every last one of them, that's every denomination, we met there in the front of the old school, and that was in between Manhattan and Warren Avenue, and we do the May poll. and that was the most fun in the world because I messed that poll up so bad. <laughs> you get to a knot, you know, and it was fun. And every minister, you knew every last one of the ministers, for all of the churches in Greenberg and White Plains. Mm. And I dare you to do something wrong. I took a box of Red Hots in the junior choir. There was a thousand Red Hots in this box, right? And right there in the prayer, they started popping all over the floor. (laughs) No rug. Kenny Lee was in the back of me. And he said, don't anybody turn around. Nobody in the choir turned around. The minister didn't even turn around. 999 Red Hots hit the floor. And the minister sat right there, I mean, stood right there and waited for that last one to drop. And then he started his prayer. And I thank God he wouldn't tell anybody whose child it was because I would have been killed by (laughs) (laughs) it. (laughs) A
4: hundred thousand, I'm serious. I thought you were supposed to make a presentation. No matter what you went out on a Saturday you mm-hmm. had to get back home in time to go to church actually you had to get home by 10 o'clock mm-hmm. the and that next morning you got up and you made sure you got up and went to mm-hmm. church to Sunday school mm-hmm. B-Y-P-U mm-hmm. as everyone would say beat your pastor up <laughs> <laughs> but anyway a church was really the center of our community we all gathered there, we prayed together, we played together, and it was just unlike today with people going their separate ways, especially the children with their iPhones, their smartphones and all that. They don't talk to each other, but we had to do that. We had Sunday school, our Sunday school teachers were like our parents. They made sure that we knew everything we needed to know as young ladies who grow up. Mm-hmm. Our parents couldn't talk to us, our, our church family did, particularly mm-hmm. that Sunday school uh, teacher, one of whom I really admired, and I remember to this day, Ellie Banks. Oh, Ellie cakes. Banks was the best Teacher that I've ever had, and she was my Sunday school teacher. And she watched us grow through, through high school, through college, through marriage, and all of that. But they were important in our lives, we loved them. But um, church was the focus of our community, and if it were not for we have this church, we would not have new child daycare, because they partnered with, especially with um, Ms. Castleberry. Who started it? And Arvina Jones, his mother, and that's the importance of having family and church family and all of that. But uh, I know my mother would always say, "Keep God in the experience." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I do have to say too much about The door was open to the door. I got engaged and I remember a okay. communion would be every third Sunday night. And I would be down at Powell. And I told my wife, I said, hey, remember, you know? <laughs> I gotta get home. And it understood that to never miss communion. And I remember daddy. I think everybody that's going my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a very religious man. He knew his God so well. And it was nothing for about it. He wasn't a fanatic. He just knew his God so well. Mm-hmm. And I defy anybody to challenge him with that Bible. He was a <laughs> great, great man. I remember I hate to bore you with this, but I have to say it. Daddy was uh, in a nursing home. And uh, my wife and I had gone to see him that night. And my father never said goodbye. That wasn't a word in the vocabulary. Never said goodbye. And we came out. My wife said, so, Dad, you hear what Daddy just said? I said goodbye said goodbye. Mm. Mm. And I often remember him saying, when you get tired, tired, that will be the end. Sure enough, I got the phone call. Mm. And it's amazing what he knew, his instinct. Mm. It's just amazing. And he was there to comfort anybody at all times. I think I can say that on the
6: reservation. But mommy, on the other hand, was
3: different. <laughs> she would was, was come right at you, right between the eyes. No malice, and after that, that was it. But the Jones family loved Greenberg. We loved Greenberg. I have a brother lives in uh, Texas right now and we get on the phone oftentimes, times and we talk about the old times. And we had a great life. My dad said one thing to my brother and I, and I'm quoting him right now. He said, do not deny yourself of anything you want to do in life. Cause man appoints and God disappoints. In the twinkling of an eye, you're dead. So he said, if you want to do it, he said you do it. You know, we often hear people say, oh, I wish I had.
6: Don't wish you'd do it. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Never
3: got caught. <laughs> 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 but it was quite an experience. <laughs> <laughs> and I listened to my dad, he had so many quotes. And the most favorite one, he used to say, happiness does not last.
1: That's right, trouble.
3: Don't Happy moments do a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But see, so you could be driving along with a smile, and you will remember that moment in your life, mm-hmm. that pearl in your life. Oh, I'm talking about that. So, so, just a minute before you pass the mic. Now, I'm just wondering, is this you from um, back no, right right in the day and did you not come out to time, the, like, the fire is going to say, the run-out of those so we're down the street and get back to it was worse than that. <laughs> I I worse. <laughs> we, sang, we sang in the choir long. and Mel yeah, sang in the back. So Margie Tucker was the organist. So when Reverend Hughes got up to start preaching, we would sneak out, take off our robes, go down, go down the corner and play pool in the pool room. Oh my goodness. And when Margie hit that note, or oh, she had a chime or something, we would hear that was, alright, you gotta get back. And
6: we would go all the way back to the Indian Baptist
3: church. We're talking to Mike. Oh, we would go all the way back to the Indian Baptist church.
4: The time, the church. Right? <laughs> yeah, we would be around
5: time. We would never
0: just sit. <laughs> so let's say thank you for sharing that, Charlie. Let's stay with the story of the church and the impact that it had on our families and our communities. Okay. Well, the church
5: uh, would always come together whenever anything happened or something was needed. You know, I'm talking about death a lot you know, they were, they, were, they were there at your home with food or, mm-hmm. to help you out with whatever needed to be done before I do whatever it was. I noticed that uh, no matter what happened, uh, the church would come together. And tell you, because everybody knew each other, so to speak, in the community and the neighborhood, and uh, they were good enough that uh, And uh, even uh, financially, sometimes together, they together to help families out. You know, tragedy could have a fire or something like that, and the church was always
2: there. Thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Bolester? No. I'm up. Can I have a presentation? Go ahead, ask. Make a presentation. You will make it. Good evening once again. Uh, Following in the footsteps of what has been presented here at this table, uh, I'd like to make some sort of educational presentation for those of you who are not familiar with the Fairview Greenbird. Please allow me if I may. My presentation hangs on the fact that most people in Greenburg, whether they were entrepreneurs through individuals or collectively, and I would like to give you an insight on what some of the things were back since the time I first grew up. He's located on Cherrytown Road. Ray Loquist. Long Bear Avenue, who also the bugle lord for <laughs> the I um, <laughs> should call it the parade on Memorial Day. He blew the the blue pupil at at the cemetery. John Tennant was a plumber. Now he could not work on any of the homes because he didn't have a license. During that time, African Americans could not become members of the uh, unions in Greenberg. So what they had to do, they'd take a license, a licensed plumber right. or a contractor and put their sign in front of the house where John Henry was working, but even though he did not have a license to do such work. But mm-hmm. Del Hamilton, he was an electrician. He was faced with the same obstacles. He could not get a union job, so he had to use uh, some other licensed electrician to put his soul in front of the house that's where he was working. Lewis Sanders was an Orchard Hill taxi. He had a taxi service. All he did all day long was drive from Orchard Hill in Greensburg to the train station in White Plains taking those customers back and forth. I mean, Mr. Smith was a peanut attendant He had a little push cart with a whistle on it. No matter what you were doing when you heard that whistle, you had to run in the house, beg for a nigga to get a bag of peanuts. <laughs> Churches we had in Greenburg at that time were well, Union Baptist Church, Christ Temple on Oak Street, the Greater New sign was on carlton Street, and Hack Jones, who it's was really more wow. He was an but he played the part. <laughs> 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 Road
4: right now, it's the medical
2: service. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The grocery stores were Catmobile <clears throat> restaurant on Lincoln Avenue. Right. Pepperella's grocery store on Lincoln Avenue and Warren Avenue. Delaware's grocery store on wow. Warren Avenue.
3: Yeah. 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 Next, next one.
2: <laughs> one. This is business, on Tarrytown Road, <laughs> a Jolly Service Station on Tarrytown Road, a Warren Fields Auto Shop on Tarrytown Road, mm-hmm. Charles Hitt Auto Body on Tarrytown Road. So as you can That's see, and here, most of the business was located on Tarrytown Road. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also want to reiterate one thing. In 1933, 1934, when I was a four years old, I saw the trolley tracks that used to run from Town to White Plains. And the main stop between Tarantown and White Plains was Greenberg. And right to this day, the only, the only paved roads that I knew at that time was Dopsbury Road, was called Klein's Hill. It was named after the principal of uh, the high school name, Ira Klein. So they named the street after him. Tarragown Road was obviously a, a paved road. Hillside Avenue was also a paved road. And the only other paved road in Greenberg was Norwood Road. And I think it's, it's good to, for you to know the history mm-hmm. because Greenberg has rich history, especially in the Fairview area. And I guess all of you know by now that the reason they named the area Fairview is because of the, the World's Fair they had, or the Country Fair, I should say, that was located on Tarrytown Road, uh, Hillside Avenue, and my so, Boulevard. So right. And I just thought you could do the heck out of you know, this presentation. So as we're we're going to, it's almost nine days, 30, we're going to move a bit to Mr. Robinson to kind of ground down our discussions about the church, um, and I also want to recognize some